What defines a good church? In large part, it is the faithful, consistent preaching of God's Word. And when you remove yourself from that context, over time, you start to forget who you are in Christ, and your joy will slowly ebb away. This is Timeless Truth Today, and I'm your host, Matt Williams. Welcome to part three of Pursuing a Larger View of Christ, our conclusion of a three-part series with Pastor Paul Twiss. In yesterday's teaching, Pastor Paul concluded by asking this question, how can I bring about a fullness of joy in my life? His answer, you consider the person of Christ in the context of preaching his word. No true Christian can ever separate himself from the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But throughout the ages, the person and work of Christ and his deity have been denied by false teachers. That's why John the Apostle wrote boldly about Christ, his person, and our proclamation of it in his first epistle to the early church. Apostate preachers are always available to teach a diminished Christ. Here's part three of Pursuing a Larger View of Christ. And so after Genesis 1, it's not an accident as we move forward through redemptive history, he raises up Moses and he raises up prophets and they are the mouthpiece of God, which is why over and over again, we read, thus saith the Lord, not a throwaway comment. That is the way in which God is accomplishing redemptive history. He's moving his plan forward by speaking. He's speaking through these men. And we must be attuned to the fact that when the prophet speaks on behalf of God, the work is accomplished. Isaiah stands up to speak. These are not throwaway words, but through him, God is accomplishing his plan of salvation. And then at the end of the Old Testament, we see 400 years of silence represented by one blank page in your Bible. 400 years where God did not speak. Now he's raising up kingdoms. He's setting kings on their throne. He's tearing down empires and taking away emperors. He's moving around nations, make no mistake. He's setting up the conditions that are perfect for the birth of the gospel. And at the right time, God speaks again. How does he speak? Well, he's spoken in many times, in many ways, through the prophets, but now through his son, which is why John says, the word became flesh. Because with this one, Jesus Christ, redemptive history is going to take a quantum leap forward. And that's an understatement. Through the work and the ministry of this one, God is very pleased to act. And have you noticed Have you noticed when you read John's gospel just how much John places an emphasis on the miracles of Jesus that are word-based? The other three gospel authors, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, include many miracles where Jesus is, is touching with his hands. He touches the man's eyes. Or, or, or somebody touches him, they touch the hem of his garment. 
When you get to John's gospel, he selects his miracles with an agenda. And the miracles that he includes so often are the miracles that simply involve Jesus speaking. Go fill the jars with water. He didn't touch them. And now it's wine. Go, your son will live. And the official went and worked out the time at which the words were spoken and his son was made well. Take up your mat and walk. He didn't touch him and the man stands and walks. Lazarus, come out. John understands and places an emphasis in all of his writings that we have on the fact that it is the Word of God that does the work. It is the Word of God that does the work. And so he is eager at this crisis point in redemptive history when confusion reigns concerning the gospel to say, we proclaimed to you. Understanding that now the Word, Jesus, is ascended no longer physically with us, that responsibility of proclaiming the word has moved forward onto the apostles. And John is so desperately eager to say, we proclaimed the true gospel to you. And the, the implication that confronts us is so simple. The apostolic office has ended, but the responsibility to proclaim the word continues. And we all, in a pursuit of a larger view of Christ, understanding just how crucial it is to seek that larger view, to continue to take in Christ, we understand that the utmost priority for us is to get ourselves under the consistent and faithful preaching of the Word of God, week after week after week. We sit under His Word the exposition of his word, because that is how God is pleased to move redemptive history forward. Every time a sermon is preached, God is pleased to work through that because it is the word of God that does the work. And in some way that we can't quite discern or quantify, as we continually sit ourselves under the word of God, we trust that he is enlarging in us a view of Christ and teaching us both in the, in the head and in the heart what it means to be in union with him. We grow week by week, month by month, year after year in our understanding of what it means to be in union with Christ. And that is a relationship, the depth of which you can never plumb. You can never get to the bottom of it, but we joyfully sit under the proclamation of the word because God has made clear that is how he's working. And as we grow in our understanding of what it means to be a Christian, that is when our joy abounds. That is when our joy abounds. How can I give you a certainty in whom you have believed? John asks. How can I bring about a fullness of joy in your life? He ponders. And the answer is you consider the person of Christ and you would do it within the context of the preaching of his word. I think often on the example of Charles Simeon, he's a hero for me of the faith. He ministered in 
the town of Cambridge back in the UK, and his ministry was one of incredible adversity. When he arrived at the church, he set to preach the word faithfully, and many objected to his preaching. And in those days, the pews, long wooden pews, and at the end, there were doors that would be shut and locked during the week. And then the church wardens would unlock them on a Sunday, open them so that people could come in and sit down and hear the preaching of the word. And the resistance to his ministry, to his preaching, was such that the church wardens refused for 14 years to unlock those doors. They were so intent on preventing people from coming in and hearing the word of God. In fact, the university scheduled their Greek classes for Sunday evening so that any theology students would not be able to attend his services, but they would have to attend class. And Charles Simeon just kept preaching. He would line the aisles with chairs, which the church wardens would then throw out into the street. And he just kept preaching. And the people would come in and they would stand And they would fill the church standing in order to hear the word of God proclaimed. Because he understood, and they in turn understood the importance of the proclamation of God's word. It is the word of God that does the work in us, conforming us more to the image of Christ and growing us in our awareness of who we are in Christ. And that is the key to joy. It's the same reason that any time I've had a conversation with often a student in this church and they're facing some kind of decision that will invariably move them away from grace, maybe a job offer, relocation of some sort, I try to help them understand that in their lens, in their paradigm through which they're thinking about this decision, needs to be the question of utmost importance as to whether there is a good church in the area. What defines a good church? In large part, it is the faithful, consistent preaching of God's word. And when you remove yourself from that context, over time, you start to forget who you are in Christ and your joy will slowly ebb away. John is clear, the means to which we must attend if we are to pursue a larger view of Christ and have fullness of joy is the proclamation of God's word. But again, this comes within a context. It comes within a context, and this leads us now to our third point. The person of Christ that we consider comes primarily through the proclamation of Christ that we submit to within the context of the participation with Christ. Three Ps for a Sunday night. That's my gift to you. The proclamation The person, the proclamation, and finally, participation. Look at verse 3. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, these are familiar verses, and the danger, of course, is always that we would skip over them and fail to notice what it is that John is doing with what he's saying. Notice that there is a shift, an unexpected shift in his logic here. So think through it with me. He's he set forth the person of Christ, verse 1. He then talks about the proclamation of Christ, verse 2. 
in order that we might have fellowship with Christ, verse 3. But that's not what he says. In order that you might have fellowship with us. And that should really cause us to sit up in our seats and to, to be interrupted in our train of thought. Why does John set forth the person of Christ, the proclamation of Christ, and then go to the participation with us as a stepping stone towards participation with the Father and the Son. The false teaching that had arisen, and we'll consider it in more detail in the coming weeks, the particular nature of the false teaching was very divisive. It was splitting congregations. Indeed, the false teachers were claiming to have some kind of secret knowledge that you don't have access to unless you come with us. And if you come with us, that's when you have access to this secret knowledge, and that's when you will truly embrace salvation. And as we've already mentioned, they left, quite possibly taking some with them. Their teaching was dividing. And so John is clear. If you embrace our gospel, then you have fellowship with us. If you do not embrace the gospel we teach to you, then you do not have fellowship with us. It's not a both and, it's an either or. Now, even with that acknowledged, we could possibly even read this verse as if John is setting up a, a hierarchy of fellowship. It is possible to read this and, and sense that maybe John is saying, well, you know what, you can have fellowship with the Father and the Son, but it comes through us. You have to come through us in order to get that fellowship. And of course, we know that's not what John is saying. He's not setting up a hierarchy of fellowship. We understand that the Bible teaches the moment that you're saved, you have access to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, communion with them. John is not setting up a hierarchy of fellowship. Rather, I think, as he sets forth this truth, he is touching upon the profound reality that when the people of God enjoy fellowship with one another, there Christ is made manifest. When God's people gather together, there is an enjoyment of the Godhead. Jesus not physically present, and yet we enjoy him as we fellowship with one another. We partake of communion with God when we gather together around the gospel. When the church assembles, we partake of the Godhead in a profound and a supernatural way. When the redeemed gather every Sunday and we proclaim truths together in singing, when we pray together, when we collectively hear the preaching of God's word, and when we enjoy fellowship, there is the substance of Christ in our midst, which is to say our joy does not derive simply because in those times we encourage one another, though we do. Our joy does not derive simply because we have the gospel in common, though we do. But it derives from the fact that God is pleased to make himself manifest, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in our midst as we gather together. The Apostle Paul hits upon the same truth as he writes to the Corinthians, and he calls them, you, plural, are the temple of God. The temple of God is God's dwelling place. 
you Corinthians are God's dwelling place. And he goes on to issue a warning saying, anyone that disrupts that temple, that dwelling place, that congregation, God will destroy. That's the precedence, the importance that the Bible puts on fellowship with one another. That's how serious our fellowship is. And it is a theme that John has been working through this paragraph from beginning to end. We talk about how the life, the eternal life was with the Father, verse 2. Even the, the preposition there has a relational connotation with it. Not just in the same space as the Father, but face to face with him relationally. And then, of course, as we go to the very end, we're writing these things in order that our joy may be complete. And so much discussion, did John actually mean your joy? As some manuscripts say, I'm writing that your joy might be complete. Did he mean our joy, the apostles? Or third option, which is what I think is meant here, in order that our joy, us and you may have fullness of joy together. The theme of fellowship winds its way all the way through this paragraph because it is the context in which we grow in our understanding of who we are in Christ. It's a corporate endeavor. I experience the, the negative side of this truth every single time I would sail on that submarine. You get on an oversized sardine tin with 150 other guys, not one of them being a believer. And in those years, seven years of going to sea for three to four months at a time with no believers around. Laura and I did a lot of growing up. We learned a lot and the Lord taught us in that time. We learned the value of marriage. And then for me personally, I think I learned the value of Christian fellowship. Because you really learn the value of something when it is taken away from you. You need to be around other Christians. You need to be around other people that confess the same truths as you. You must place yourself in a community that believes the same gospel that you do. It is so key to your perseverance in the Lord, but also to your understanding and your growth of who you are in Christ. God has designed that you would grow into that knowledge as part of a community. And when you remove yourself from that community, over time, you will start to forget who you really are. One of my greatest concerns, pastorally, is when you notice that somebody isn't turning up anymore. We just haven't seen them for a while. They haven't been here for a few weeks because sure enough, they will start to forget the gospel by which they have been saved. Now, positionally, they may still be right before the Lord if indeed they were saved. They are right before the Lord. Relationally, their relationship will start to ebb. It will start to wane. They will forget who they are in Christ. And one of many consequences is that their joy will start to fade. God has designed that you would grow in your knowledge of who you are in Christ in a community. 
And so we see the logic of these first four verses is so wonderfully correct. John has said, you have to enlarge your view of Christ as an absolute priority. With all of the threats facing the gospel today that seek to undermine a clear proclamation of the truth, you need to pursue a larger view of Christ. You do that primarily by considering his person, but you do it within a context, under the faithful preaching of Christ. And that you do within a context, namely within a participation of Christ. And that is the roadmap, verse 4, that leads to fullness of joy. It is the joy that abounds when you know who you are and you are confident concerning your identity. You know that all your sins are forgiven and you have no doubts. You know that God right now, is fully for you and is by no means against you. You are confident of the fact that all of God's love is directed towards you who are in Christ right now. And he is not holding back any good thing from you. You are confident that right now God is proclaiming from heaven, you are my son, you are my daughter, and I am well pleased with you. Not because of what you've done, but because by his grace, he has saved you and he's united you with his son and he's clothed you in the son's righteousness. And it is the joy that abounds in your soul when you know where you are headed. You know that very soon you will stand before the Lord Jesus. And in that moment, you will see him as he fully is your faith will become sight and you will become like him in an instant. And that is the only time when your fullness of joy will increase. There is a fullness of joy right now available to every Christian, only to be surpassed when you stand before him and enter into glory. If you don't know this joy, and if you have never known this joy, please let go of your sin and turn to the Christ who saves. Enter into the joy of salvation and spend the rest of your earthly life pursuing a larger view of him. Please close with me in prayer. Our Father, we are so grateful for the gospel and for the person of Jesus Christ. Your plan was perfect and it did accomplish salvation. We recognize there are so many ways in which the true, clear gospel could be undermined in our thinking, in our hearts. I pray that you would work in us a spirit of diligence, of zeal, to, above all things, simply pursue a larger view of the Savior that we would indeed set our minds to know him more from your word. We give you thanks for the gospel and we give you thanks for your son. We pray in his name. Amen. You're listening to Timeless Truth Today. Pastor Paul closed today with a profound statement, quote, 
There is a fullness of joy right now available to all Christians, only to be surpassed when you stand before him and enter into glory, end quote. Part of that joy comes in community with other believers who are found in a good church where there is faithful preaching of God's word. And with that in mind, as we approach the weekend, if you're nearby and don't have a home church, come worship with us on Sunday at 10.30 a.m. We're located at 200 West Bethany Court in Thousand Oaks, California. Timeless Truth Today is a teaching ministry of Pastor Paul Twiss, a listener-supported outreach of Bethany Bible Church in Thousand Oaks, California. Join us on Monday. It's a new series with part one of Shipwrecks and Snake Bites. I'm Matt Williams. Thank you for listening to Timeless Truth Today.